You ever notice how great it is that there's no maybe with God? He doesn't say, maybe this will happen. He doesn't say, maybe if you seek me, you will find me. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. He doesn't say, maybe if you believe, you won't perish. He says, if you believe, you will not perish. What a wonderful comfort that is to me, and I trust to you as well. I'm dedicating this message this morning to our brother Tim Sashariba, who is celebrating the Lord's Day the best way anyone can in the presence of the one who loved him and gave himself for him. And I know that it would be Tim's desire for any and all of you to join him in heaven someday. And I'm excited because I was reminded yet again of one of my favorite facts about the future, which is that one of the first things I'm going to do when I get to heaven is bow my glorified knees to Jesus and thank Him for what He's done for me. And I'm really excited and looking forward to that time. But may you find me faithful to the task that He has laid before me until then. Today, I'm going to do something a little different than I usually do, and that is I have a, a topical message today, and my message today is called, Time, a Gift. I don't think we often think of time as a gift, but it is. And uh, I'm going to open in a word of prayer, and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. We thank you that it is timeless. Lord, I, I do thank you for the testimony of my brother Tim, always encouraging up to the end. And I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. May I continue to be bold for you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my Redeemer. In Jesus' name. Amen. The writer of this quote is unknown, but I thought it would be a good intro for today. It says, if you, if you had a bank that credited your account each morning with $86,000 that carried over no balance from day to day, allowed you to keep no cash in your account, and every evening canceled whatever part of the amount you failed to use during the day, what would you do? You would draw out every cent, every day of course, and use it to your advantage. Well, you have such a bank, and its name is Time. Every morning it credits you with 86,400 seconds. Every night it rolls off as lost, whatever of it this you fail to invest to good purpose. It carries no balances, it allows no overdrafts. 
Each day it opens a new account with you. If you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. There is no going back. There is no drawing against tomorrow. Every time a loved one passes away, I think about this. And I think about the fact that I want to be as bold and as busy for Jesus as I can. Because as Jesus said, the night is coming when no man can work. So, what are the things that the Bible teaches us about time? The first thing I want to mention is that time is temporary. In the book of James we read, James 4, 13 to 15. I'll be moving around a lot, so I hope you can keep up. Um, but James 4, 13 through 15 says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. And I have really made it a practice when someone asks me if I have a plan to do something on a particular day or a particular week. I always say, Lord willing. And as my grandpa used to say, Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Um, but isn't it wonderful that we as Christians, when we say goodbye to one another at the end of meeting or when we say see you again, we can say it with utmost confidence. Because we will either see our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ here, there, or in the air. It's a guarantee for us. But we need to realize that time is temporary. I marvel at the fact that I'm already approaching my mid-40s. There are things that I can remember, and I think, well, that wasn't that long ago. And then I realize it was 30 years ago, and I'm like, where did the time go? And there are other days when I feel so young, and I'm like, I haven't really experienced anything yet. And I do hope in the Lord's mercy that if He tarries, that I will have a lot more years of ministry here for Him and of loving and encouraging my brothers and sisters in the Lord because I love people and I love relationships and they're such a gift to me. Um, if someone could look up uh, by way of cross-reference 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25 if you get there and you are a gentleman if you could stand up and read it for us. For all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flowers thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So Peter is saying here, when you look out in the expanse of nature, when fall comes, what do we, why do we call it fall? Actually, the official name is autumn. But the reason that we call it fall is because the leaves fall off the trees. And the grass gets brown. And then it gets covered with snow. And then in the spring, we have the promise that it will be green again. Why? Because the one who created the season 
is faithful to us. He keeps his promise time after time, day after day. Peter is telling us in this passage, be focused on the thing that is eternal. The word of our Lord will last forever. What did Jesus say when he was on the earth? My word shall not pass away. Why could he say that without most confidence? Because he is the word. And he rose from death and conquered it for you and I. You know, you ever think about the Garden of Eden and how the angels blocked the tree of life from Adam and Eve? And at first you're like, well, why would they block the tree of life? But can you imagine if Adam and Eve had eaten of the tree of life and they had gotten the privilege of living forever, but they were living forever as sinners? See, there had to be a better way. And that's why Jesus was prophesied even in John chapter 3 that he would crush the serpent's head. And praise God, we live in that reality today. No matter what the evil of man can cook up. And man, there's a lot being cooked up. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Absolutely nothing. I stake my very life on it. I'm spelling out time, by the way, if you're keeping notes. So the T is time is temporary. The I is time is in his hands. I've had probably, I would say, three times, including my birth, when I thought, it was the last day of my life. Um, my dad tells me the story of walking around the hospital campus when I was born and begging God for my, for my life. And I praise God for that. And I praise God that He answered and that He preserved me and that He had a plan for my life. A plan for which I wasn't prepared at first. I spent a lot of years being angry at God and being mad about the way He made me. And I still have my bad days. There are still days when I lay in bed at night and wish I could have a healthy body. But ultimately I know that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And fortunately, God laid His hand upon me as a young man and said, I have a plan for your life. Trust me. If I can encourage the young people in here of one truth that they need to grasp, that is to trust God. We can look in the Scriptures and we can see what it did for people like Moses, people like Gideon, people like Joseph. They were not perfect people. They made mistakes. But the common denominator, the factor that made them a success, 
was that God was with him. If you read the, the story of Joseph, every chapter of Joseph's story has that phrase, and God was with him. When Daniel was before the king and he was interpreting the dream, he said, he said, Daniel, I've heard that you have great skill in interpreting dreams. And Daniel said, I can't interpret dreams. But guess what he said? There is a God in heaven. And so that you may know there's a God in heaven, this is the interpretation of your dream. See, for Daniel, it was all about extolling God and making Him known. And that's what it needs to be for us. So, time is in His hand. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. The best thing we can do when we're appealing to God is to appeal to His nature. There's nothing in me that can appeal to God because of who I am. I can only appeal to Him based on who He is. Save me for your mercy's sake. Why? Because there's nothing in me that's worth saving. And yet the very Son of God, the one who created the world, decided that I was worth it. He looked forward in time and he knew that I would be saved because of his sacrifice on the cross. He screamed, Father, forgive them on the cross. And I believe that that prayer was answered almost immediately when the centurion said, surely this man was the Son of God. And I hope and pray that I will see him in heaven one day because someone, whether it be the apostles or another believer, told him the end of the story because the man that they pulled off the cross dead and beaten and battered didn't stay in the tomb. He rose from the dead on the third day. Victorious. And by the way, the stone didn't roll away so that he could get out because we know that when he went to the upper room, he walked through the wall. No, the stone rolled away so that we could peer in. And so that we could see that it was empty. I also want to remind you of the story of Job. Job was a man who was the most righteous man on earth at the time that it, his story was unfolding. God himself said that. And when God says it, you know it's true because God can't lie. And yet Job went through all these trials. But what he didn't know was that the devil went to heaven... And God said, where were you, devil? And the devil said, I was walking to and fro throughout the whole earth and walking up and down in it. And God said, have you considered my servant Job, who fears God and shuns evil? And he said, well, it's because you've given him such great possessions. That's why he fears you. Take away his possessions and he'll curse you to your face. So, God said, you can take away his possessions, but don't touch his body. And then later it was, you can touch his body, but don't kill him. Why? Because everything the devil does has to get permission to do. He can't act 
apart from the will and the, the foreknowledge of the, of the Lord. That should be a great comfort to us, brothers and sisters. Can we look at, and that was Psalm 31, 15, and 16, if I didn't say the reference, that my times are in your hand. Psalm 31, 15, and 16. All right, by way of cross-reference, if we could look at Acts 20, 24. Acts 20, 24. Again, if someone gets it, they could rise and read it for us. That would be awesome. A lot of times people ask the question of young people when they're graduated from high school or college, what are you going to do with your life? And Paul is saying here that my life is not mine to live. My life is sold out to God and His plans for me. You know, there were some sometimes in Paul's journeys where Paul wanted to go somewhere and the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going there. And directed him somewhere else. And we need to be the same way that if God has a plan for us, we are willing to do it. I didn't expect last fall to leave my job at the potter's house. But God has given me peace about that. And uh, I really am being provided for by God. And uh, I'm thankful for the financial support that I have received from various hands among the saints. But I know that ultimately it comes from God because every good and perfect gift comes from Him. I would ask for your prayers as I continue to work on my podcast. I am about 12 weeks away from my 500th episode, which is really exciting. And also, I am hoping to get a, a lot of speaking engagements lined up for this spring and summer so that when the snow leaves, I can hit the ground running and be very busy through the warm months when it's easy to travel. So if you could just keep those things in prayer, I would really appreciate it. God knows where he wants me to go, and he's already planning that for me, but I just ask that you would partner with me in prayer. So we have, we have time is temporary, time is in his hands, and then our M is time is a mercy to us. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. As much as, especially in my disabled state, I 
sometimes long for Jesus to come back and for my pain and annoyance um, to be over. Um, after all, when I get to heaven, there will be no more wheelchairs to break down. There will be no more people to park in my van access spaces. All that will be a distant memory. But then I realize the people that I love dearly who do not know Jesus. And I realize that they have yet one more day to come to know and love Him as I do. And what a mercy that is. And of course, if we study, if we hear from organizations like Ethos 360, there's also some uh, groups that are still unreached with the gospel. And so, there are reasons for God to tarry. And as He does, He is showing mercy because He has more that He wants to bring to repentance. He knows who that last person is. And when that is, it is ours to only do the work to which He has called us. Can we look at Psalm 8615? Psalm 8615, if someone could read that. So God is a faithful God. You know, when, when I make a promise, there may be some factors, some out of my control, some within my control, for why I can't fulfill them. Like a lot of times for me, if I promise somebody I'm going to be somewhere on a given day, I have to rely on someone else to get me there. But God, when He makes a promise, He is 100% in the promise-keeping department. We just celebrated Christmas a little over a month ago, and that whole period of time is all about promises. God said that a virgin would conceive, and indeed, she did. God said that He would save His people from their sins, and indeed, He did. God said that He would rise again the third day, and again, He did. And God told the disciples through the angels, on the day that Jesus went up into heaven... This same Jesus shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. Now he has yet to do that. But he has fulfilled so many promises so far that I trust and believe that he will fulfill the promises yet to unfold. And in this time of uncertainty and this, this time where People are choosing to follow their own truth. Isn't it wonderful that we serve the one who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. The definitive article. You ever notice how great it is that there's no maybe with God? 
He doesn't say, maybe this will happen. He doesn't say, maybe if you seek me, you will find me. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. He doesn't say, maybe if you believe, you won't perish. He says, if you believe, you will not perish. What a wonderful comfort that is to me, and I trust to you as well. E, finishing up the word time. Time is for everyone. John 11, verses 9 and 10 says, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. We all have the same day. What we do with it is up to us. And of course, if we are following the leading of the Holy Spirit, He will guide and direct us and show us how to use that time. Time management can be a challenge, especially when you're working at home by yourself. So that would be a prayer that you can pray for me as well, that I would be wise with my time and do that which the Lord has called me to do. Jesus knew about time. There were many times when people wanted to kill him and end his life, or at least arrest him, and it didn't happen. Why? This phrase is repeated often in Scripture as well in the Gospels. His time had not yet come. Everything about Jesus was orchestrated by God for a specific time and in a specific way. He came into this world after the fullness of time. And he went to the cross when the time was right. The disciples said, Lord, don't go to Jerusalem or they will kill you. And as a matter of fact, when... You know, Thomas gets a bad rap for being doubting Thomas, but first of all, I believe that if any one of the other 11 had been missing, they would have had a similar reaction to the other disciples. And second of all, let us not forget that when Jesus was going to Jerusalem at one point, Thomas said, let us go with him, that we may die with him. Thomas loved the Lord. And, you know, I I think about this a lot because the world is getting more and more hostile to the things of Christ. And I ask myself sometimes, if someone threatened my life or threatened me bodily injury if I didn't recant Christ, would I be able to stay faithful? 
And my only answer is only by God's grace in that moment. See, God doesn't give us grace ahead of time. But he also told the disciples, when you are brought before kings and asked to testify on my behalf, don't think about what you will say because in the hour that you need it, I will give you the words to say. And so I believe that God will give me the words to say when and if that time comes. Because remember, Peter... This man who was always saying the right, wrong thing all throughout the Gospels, I resonate with him heavily because my family will tell you my mouth has gotten me in trouble on many occasions. And Peter had that testimony. And yet Peter was able, it says in Acts chapter 3, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that was a specific filling in that case. And he said boldly, If it must be known to you by what power this lame man has risen and walked, be it known unto you that by the name and only by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is this man walking before you. And when the disciples were told, Don't preach in this name again, what did they do? They ran to the upper room and hid. No, they ran to the upper room and prayed, for more boldness. And what did Paul say? Did he say, please pray that we don't get persecuted as much as we have been? No, he said, please pray for me to have more boldness in the gospel. One of the most bold people in the gospel, in the whole New Testament, is saying, please pray that I have more boldness. That needs to be the prayer of each and every one of us. As we close out, if we could read by way of cross-reference, Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 17. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It's interesting that Paul writing 2,000 years ago says, Redeem the time because the days are evil. And whenever I turn on the news, I realize that those evil days are more evil than ever. We don't know who God created us to be anymore as a culture. And we, we lament thousands of people dead from disease, but we don't lament millions of people dead from abortion. One of these days, all these people that are causing evil to come down upon this country and this world will bow the knee to the Lord Jesus and declare that He is God to the glory of God the Father. But then they will be cast into utter darkness. The question isn't, will you live forever? We were made to be eternal beings by nature of being in the image of God who is the eternal being. We are made to be eternal. So the question isn't, am I eternal? 
That's already been answered. You are. The question is, where will you spend your eternity? Will it be heaven or will it be hell? Those are the only choices. Unless you think that hell is metaphorical, may I remind you that Jesus used literal language when he spoke of it, and he spoke of it more than he did of heaven. Why was that? Because he didn't want anyone to go there. And I don't want anyone to go there. You know, I used to think, even as I was preaching the gospel, I would say, well, God's going to send you to hell if you don't trust him. But I think it was about five or ten years ago, I came to the realization, God doesn't send anyone to hell. People choose to go there by rejecting him. Remember the rich young ruler. He went away sad because he had much riches and he didn't want to do what Jesus asked him to do. And what does it say about Jesus? It says, Jesus, looking on him, loved him. He loved him. He wanted him to embrace what was important about life. And he said, your wealth is in the way. So I want you to know today that God loves you. He loved you enough to go to the cross to pay for your sin. See, we have a warped view of love today because we think that love is just accepting whatever someone wants to do in their life. But if I see a fire in your house, I'm going to tell you about the fire because I don't want your house to burn down. Proverbs says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And so many people, in the name of Christ, are giving their friends the kisses of an enemy instead of the wounds of a friend. Because we don't want to stand for truth. And we just want to love everybody and leave the judgment to God. But when God says something is sin, then we have a responsibility as His children to call it what it is. Just a final observation and then I will close in prayer how often have you talked with someone on the telephone who seemed in a, to be in a hurry and wanted to get on with more important business or visited with someone on the street and received the same hurried feeling you've undoubtedly experienced it and didn't enjoy it and perhaps you have also been guilty of this if you have why not decide to tithe time, save up chunks, bits and pieces of it, and give it away to people who interrupt your pre-established plans? It is a great principle of love that people don't interrupt. Not really. Perhaps there shouldn't even be such a word as interrupt. For when people come into your existence, even for a brief time, that is a wonderful moment of experience for both of you. Relish it, probe it, invest some time, some of the time you have tithe. We can't afford to indulge in the luxury of being too busy and important for another person. We have time for such inan inanimate objects as pieces of mail, vast sprawling shopping centers, the television program which starts at 7.30. But what about relationships with people? Isn't that a great deal of what life is about, loving other people? Remember Jesus, how he raced about hurrying from one city to another? 
collecting great crowds on the way to give them a few minutes of hurried heaven data, then dashing to the next place. No, that is not the picture of Jesus. <laughs> the New Testament gives. He had time for people. In a crowd, a woman touched his robe. Lots of you are probably pushing against him, touching his robe. But he discerned the urgency in this particular touch. He stopped taking valuable time. He stopped taking valuable time for this interruption. His disciples were full of fire and computer-like efficiency. They wanted to get on with the task of getting something done, even if they didn't always know what that something was. Once a bunch of small, grimy-fingered kids came along and <laughs> wanted to climb on the master's lap. <laughs> Get those kids out of here, thought the goal-oriented disciples. No, let them stay, let's enjoy them, and let them enjoy us, thought the true goal-oriented man from heaven, who knew and expressed the great worth of the individual. The next time a person interrupts you, think not of your work and your deadlines, rather think of that person's needs, of his covert compliment in desiring to spend a few moments with you. Your meeting may be a significant point in each of your lives, because it is an encounter with another person God has created. You may impart something crucial to his fulfillment or to yours. Paul, pray, Paul prayed, May God who gives patience, steadiness, and encouragement help you to live in complete harmony with each other, each with the attitude of Christ toward the other. Romans 15.15 15 in the Living Bible. Are you caught up on your time tithe? And that was from Monty Unger back in January of 1975. Before I was even born, but I think it's very applicable today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of it. I thank you that we can rest in it. That it doesn't change because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you that Jesus stopped. That the woman who was dealing with the issue of blood wasn't an interruption. I thank you that children weren't an interruption to him. I pray, Lord, that you would soften our hearts toward our fellow man uh, where it needs to happen. And I ask that you would bless the remainder of this day and my brother Brian in the next service. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.